regularly, break wind. I encourage you to break wind approximately four times during this episode, if you don't mind. My name is Sarah Sloan, and my job is to bring you an interesting, exciting, and thrilling podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day doing whatever it is that you do. Thank you for giving me your time. Let's jump into what we have today. All right. There was a debate, a Democratic debate that happened on CBS, and it happened February 25th. And it was a pretty good debate, so I'm going to discuss it here with my dad, and we have some clips for you, so let's roll right into this. Sounds good. Yeah. You liked the debate overall, Dad? I did. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, we saw the next evening, the recap, but it was, you know, it was kind of feisty the way the uh, previous one was. You know, you hear so much repetition, um, no matter what the questions are, you hear similarities in the answers. They got certain lines they just want to get in there. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, just some of the dynamics, you know, of course, the second Bloomberg debate um, made it fascinating. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, Overall, I think CBS could do a better job moderating. And we like to watch post-coverage as well. And it was just such low quality that we didn't want to watch it. We... We've spent like an hour to two hours watching that stuff just because it's usually great commentary and diverse uh, panel. Like it's very fun to listen to, but it was just unbearable this time. So we just turned it off. Um, So they could definitely do better in that department. Um, But yeah, we are going to basically play clips and discuss. So let's play the first one. We're watching right now and you support my campaign. Go to PeteForAmerica.com and chip in. And if you're watching right now and you're a billionaire, I will raise your taxes. But if you'd like to defeat Donald Trump, please go to PeteForAmerica.com and donate the legal maximum of $2,800 if you're a billionaire. So that was pretty entertaining. That was... Uh, something that you hear often, they plug their website. And I will just say, I don't like when they do that. I, I think it's kind of distasteful. Um, if I'm that serious about you or passionate about you, I will look it up myself. I, I'm not stupid. I know how to type. Kind of very self-serving. And I don't know, maybe at the first debate, you could overlook that. But yeah, when it's done each time, you know, I guess for them, it's free advertising but they're kind of shameless in doing it. Yeah, and then especially the line Pete Buttigieg said about, and if you're a billionaire, I will raise your taxes. Like, how does he think billionaires are responding to that? Do do you think that they're just sitting on their fancy couches in their mansions just laughing their head off whenever he says that? Of course, he's not doing it to please them. He's doing it to please people that are in the lower class. But either way, it just doesn't come off very well. I guess there's so few votes from billionaires that it's it's a pretty good trade-off there you get a lot of votes from the people that um, join with him and against the billionaires yeah that's true yeah one vote is one vote that's right yeah you know i don't think he's going to raise a lot of money from them in what he says but yeah, and it's funny because he really had come off as being uh, more accommodating to billionaires. And so I think he's really trying to fight that narrative by basically saying, I'm not for you. Remember that. Like, we'll take your money, but just remember that. Any billionaire that has any sense would stick with Trump, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. What he's done for the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's play the next clip. 
Berg. A key element of your response to failing schools in New York City was a dramatic increase in public charter schools. As president, would you pursue that same strategy and seek to expand charter schools nationwide? I'm not sure they're appropriate every place. I can only tell you in New York, they provided parents with an alternative to send students to them. We had the charter schools are mixed in with the non-charter public schools because our charter schools are public schools as well. They've helped each other. I saw a statistic the other day when I came into office, zero New York City schools were in the top 25 of the state. When I left, 23 out of 25 were from New York City. We've cut the gap between the rich and the poor. We've made an enormous difference in the, all of the, the options that parents have. I raised teachers' salaries by 43%. I put an extra $5 billion into our school system. I value education. It is the only ways to solve the poverty problem is to get people a good education. And rather than just talk about it in New York, we actually did it. Senator oh. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think he really does have something he can stand on as opposed to uh, Mayor Buttigieg. So, you know, obviously he's probably, you know, inflating the stats a little bit, make him sound as good as possible. Uh, but he at least comes across as knowledgeable about education and having some real-life experience. Yeah, definitely. Both mayor... Uh well, they were both mayors, Bloomberg and Buttigieg were, one of New York City, one of um, South Bend, South Bend, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny to think about that. You know, you get the same title, but yeah, New York is a different animal for sure. Uh, <laughs> so it's interesting to think about uh, the differences of being mayor in one place versus another. Um, he seems, I will say overall, I think he did he did better in this debate than the last one. Um, he was willing to be a bit more fierce, although he was still being walked all over, but not as badly. And he, overall, I think that he's going to appeal to people that are moderates because he is so different than all the other candidates. Um, he, he does yeah. stand out. I, we'll probably get to it in another clip, but Warren's um, single-handed attack up, upon... Bloomberg is kind of fascinating. Uh, it's basically she doesn't care about her own candidacy, but her job is a hit woman, so to speak, and she wants to bring him down. And I think if you really look at the polls, you can see that she has succeeded in stopping his rise. You know, he's a couple points, uh, percentage points behind Biden. And Biden was slipping and Bloomberg was rising. And it seems like that kind of these past two debates put the brakes on that. And Biden is kind of uh, solidified and Bloomberg is no longer rising. It really is amazing. I think if, uh, yeah, you're right. I think if it wasn't for her, I think it would be him and Bernie and I firmly believe that, but she has attacked him so fiercely. On the other hand, with Bernie, she was doing this kind of pretend attack with him where she was saying things along the lines of, you know, he he's doing well because progressive ideas are very popular. And 
he, yeah, he's a, basically he's a good guy, but I would be a way better president. Um, but she's like, it, it's like, it's not a strong criticism. Nobody really is strongly criticizing Bernie, but they're standing together there on that debate stage. And she's saying all this. And I'm just looking at her just thinking, yeah, she wants to be his vice president. <laughs> she, she wants it bad. And I don't know if there was some sort of backhand deal where she was saying, Bernie, I know you hate me because he really doesn't like her. Um, but if I take out Bloomberg, you don't have to do it. It will make you look like a nicer person. And then I could be your vice president. I don't know. And I don't know if he's even going to pick her. He really, there's a chance he wouldn't. But there's also a chance he would. The other great beneficiary of Warren's attacks on Bloomberg, of course, is Biden. Uh, because it seems like he's um, finding himself in a better, more solid second place than uh, it looked like he would be a, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But it's funny, the the number one person that isn't getting a rise out of her attacking is herself. <laughs> That's true. It, it, I don't think it comes off well. Right. She's just, uh, you know, got her fourth place numbers there and doesn't seem to have much of a move whatsoever. Definitely. Well, I'm going to play the next clip. If elected Senator Sanders, you would be America's first Jewish president. You recently called a very prominent, well-known American-Israel lobby a platform for, quote, bigotry. What would you say to American Jews who might be concerned you're not, from their perspective, supportive enough of Israel, and specifically, sir, would you move the U.S. Embassy back to Tel Aviv? Let me just, the answer is, it's something that we would take into consideration. Which would, but here, well, excuse me, but here is the point. I am very proud of being Jewish. I actually lived in Israel for some months. But what I happen to believe is that right now, sadly, tragically, in Israel, through Bibi Netanyahu, you have a reactionary racist who is now running that country. And I happen to believe, I happen to believe that what our foreign policy in the Mideast should be about is absolutely protecting the independence and security of Israel. But you cannot ignore the suffering of the Palestinian people. We have got to have a policy that reaches out to the Palestinians and the Americans. And in answer to your question, that will come within the context of bringing nations together in the Mideast. Wow. I think... When he hears uh, Netanyahu and this Israeli pro-Israel group that he mentioned, and they're advocating for Israel, Israel's interest, Israel's safety, uh, Israel's autonomy, he he calls that racist. Uh, it probably doesn't seem very racist to them when it's just uh, self-defense. Uh, so, yeah, bigotry and racism is how he describes it. And it seems that he only wants to use the fact that he's Jewish when it's convenient. Um, it, it's it's interesting that being a Jew, it's not more religious label like Christianity. I'm a Christian, or you're a Christian. We wouldn't, you know, make that our ethnicity. If I didn't practice Christianity, I wouldn't label myself to be a Christian. Yet, if a lot of these people that label themselves as Jewish are not practicing. 
Um, but it's more just because of what's in their blood. That's true. Um, I don't think uh, he's very devout. I'm not sure of that, but I would greatly doubt it. Uh, it just seems like that's something he identifies with because of his uh, lineage. But um, I don't think he's any more devoted to Jews or their causes than he is to the Palestinians. And he seems actually much more sensitive to Jewish um, overstepping of, of their limits and trampling upon Palestinians. That's the issue that seems to rile him up the most. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, it, if you are pro-Israel, then you would be very happy with Trump. He has been probably the most uh, pro-Israel president ever. So it's, but you wouldn't think that. And you would think, oh, Bernie being a Jew would be more pro-Israel, but he's not. It's pretty low on his list of priorities. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, here is the next clip. You've apologized for stop and frisk repeatedly. What exactly are you apologizing for? We let it get out of control. And uh, when I realized that, I cut it back by 95%. And I've apologized and asked for forgiveness. I've met with black leaders to try to get an understanding of how I can better position myself and what I should have done and what I should do next time. But let me tell you, I have been working very hard. We've improved the school system for black and brown uh, uh, students in New York City. We've increased the uh, jobs that are available to them. We've increased the housing that's available to but them. But what more we have can about like this the, issue, Mr. Mayor, to put people's fears and skepticism to rest. I think it they continues just, to follow you. No, well, that's because it's in their interest to to uh, promote that. But if you talk to the people in New York City, I have over a hundred black uh, elected officials that have endorsed me. Uh, a lot of them are in the audience tonight. And I've earned the respect of people in New York City. I was the mayor of the largest, most populous city in the United States for 12 years. And people will tell you it's a lot better city today. It is safer for everybody. The school system is better. The budget's under control. We've done the things that people need in New York City for all ethnicities. Yeah, definitely. I Stop and Frisk, I think, had um, pros and cons to it. Uh, but it seems like the only thing that wants to be discussed are the cons, just because that's politically convenient for the other candidates. You know, when he talks about the successes and, you know, crime being down, it may be attributed to Stop and Frisk. <laughs> uh, of course, he's had to backpedal on that because of wanting to get into politics at a national level. And the whole issue of profiling, so if you really listen to his earlier comments when he talked about that's where the crime is located, so why not put all the police officers there? Um, you know, he, he was speaking as very pragmatic and someone who wasn't concerned about politics, it wasn't PC when he said those things. But... Now, you know, it's a reversal, but at the same time, that's just a reality in New York City. And, um, yeah, racial profiling is just something that isn't acceptable. You, you know, it may be practiced, but you sure can't, um, you, you can't do it openly. 
and say, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it because of race. You, you, you simply can't do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so interesting. Basically, the perception of race and, uh, or sorry, of being racist is more important than actually getting results to help um, a certain race. It, it really, it's kind of a scary thing that it's all about the image of something versus the results. And Bloomberg was just very much wanting to get better results. That's all he was about. Right. It's almost like when he started talking about the results, they wanted to cut him off. Let's let's get back to the controversy. Let's get back to the appearance. Don't tell me about substance. Let's talk about appearance. Yep. It's, it's weird. It really is. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this next clip. I got stuck in a prison company thinking they'd do a better job, and I investigated and I sold it. Okay. I, you no, knew, no, stop. No, you no, you knew when you bought question. it they'd done that. I question and in fact since then i've worked to end the use of private prisons in my home state and we've ended it i've started a bank to support black ownership of businesses women ownership of businesses and latino owners of businesses because this financial service industry is prejudiced i have worked tirelessly on this and you know i'm right you wrote the crime bill where we that come from that's called the tommy come lately there are other people are here put hundreds of thousands of young black and latino not true in prison okay. let, let, let me did. say something thank you there's something not going on here i have worked thank for you. racial justice thank completely you, and that is an absolute you, unfair statement all i that one was so interesting basically it was a uh, former vice, uh, vice presidential uh, sorry, Vice President Joe Biden, and then Tom Steyer, uh, the billionaire. And Tom Steyer is not doing well in the polls. There's He has no shot. Yet it's so interesting that Biden felt the need to attack him. Well, if there's any place that he might have traction at South Carolina, it seems like that has been his firewall, just like Biden. So... You know, he's actually just um, barely third place uh, right behind Sanders. Of course, Biden has this large lead. It might be 14, 15%. And Biden is, or excuse me, Sanders is, or Biden rather, is, it'll be interesting to see if he can hit 40%. Mm. Uh, that, I think, would be a tremendous victory for him if he can get that percentage. But then... Just behind Sanders is Steyer. So if you were ever going to attack Steyer, it would be before this primary because that's where he has some of the electorate. Yeah, that makes that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, I saw on 538.com that Biden, sorry, all the Bs are very confusing, <laughs> but Biden, he has a 14 and 15 chance of winning i thought i saw something along those lines but um i guess what yeah with all these attacks that we've been talking about it's really helped biden because he was you know he started the the whole race really being the front runner completely and then it started becoming bernie and it still is bernie but now biden's coming back uh for sure so you, you can definitely see that in south carolina where <clears throat> for the longest time he held it. 20 plus percent lead over the next closest contender, I guess, Sanders. And then as things were going poorly during the first couple of states, Iowa, New Hampshire, 
we saw his numbers dropping, and um, uh, we definitely saw Sanders and Bloomberg going up, so that it came to the point where it was almost a tie or just 2% lead that Biden had. Mm. But then in the past week or two, Biden, I guess maybe with the attacks on Bloomberg by Warren, him being hurt, we've seen Biden's lead stretch. And Sanders doesn't seem to be doing um, much there. So it looks like it will be, um, coincidentally today, a significant victory for Biden. I don't know how much that will affect Super Tuesday. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That that will be very interesting to see. Uh, I think Bernie will be doing well in Texas is what's projected, which is surprising to me. I, I would not have expected that. Right. Yeah, I think he he feels like he can call Texas, um, you know, a victory. And um, I think it's about 7% over Biden. Uh, but, of course, he has a huge um, lead in California. Mm. And, uh, you know, the numbers are really significant. I guess a third of the delegates are, are voted um, or chosen on Super Tuesday. But a third of the third is from California. And uh, he's going to get a big chunk of those. And so between California and Texas, and, and again, all these numbers are important because will he be um, close to the 50% of the delegates by convention time in, in July? Or will he be far under? And all of that, that's, of course, a, a huge issue because the second ballot with the superdelegates is um, up in the air. Yeah. Wow. Here is the next clip. We have a criminal justice system today that is not only broken, it is racist. Got more people in jail than any other country on earth, including China. And one of the reasons for that is a horrific war on drugs. So I do believe that on day one, we will change the Federal Controlled Substance Act, which, if you can believe it, now equates heroin with marijuana. That's insane. We're going to take marijuana out of that and effectively legalize marijuana in every state in the country. What we are also going to do is move to expunge the records of those people who are arrested for possession of marijuana. And I'll tell you what else we're going to do. We're going to provide help to the African-American, Latino, Native American community to start businesses to sell legal marijuana rather than let a few corporations control the legalized marijuana market. That one really is crazy. I, I remember whenever we watched this, uh, could you repeat the comments that you made whenever we first watched it? Well, you know, of course, the whole legalization of marijuana is a huge issue, and a lot of states have embraced that. Uh, medical marijuana, of course, even more so than just general use. But, you know, for somebody that's so concerned about health and regulation of health issues, he doesn't seem to care about the impact of marijuana, long-term impact, uh, just what it does to um, the brain, what, what it does as an addictive element in someone's life. Uh, you know, I guess that 
somehow is popular with people. You know, so he, he just throws these statements out, blanket statements, like the whole justice system is racist. And, you know, he's going to take everybody out of jail that was there based on marijuana. And, um, yeah, just, you know, cra- craziness, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's, I felt like it was pretty racist of him to just say, oh, you minorities, we're going to open up the businesses for you to be able to sell drugs. That's racist. You're just really pandering. It's almost like Native Americans having the casinos. Yeah, it's just like, oh, the stereotype, you Mm. minorities, you're always selling drugs. So we're going to give that business right back to you, you minorities. Like, that is one of the most racist comments of the whole of the whole debate. Yet nobody talks about it. I promise you, if anybody with uh, in the Republican Party said that, it would be national news. Trump would get impeached over it. For goodness' sake, it's almost like saying, "You minorities, you've always been drug pushers anyway. So why don't we let you do what you do best?" Golly, that's not the truth at all. Minorities, like just like white people, there's. There's people that do drugs and there's people that don't. And there's people that sell drugs and there's people that don't. And you don't need to label a whole race off of that. Talk about affirmative action. So we're going to open up these businesses, but only for minorities. Only they will be able to sell the marijuana. Uh, And he'd do it too. That's the scariest part. He really would. Right. Here's another clip. Excuse me. Occasionally, it might be good idea to be honest about American foreign policy. And that includes the fact that America has overthrown governments all over the world, in Chile, in Guatemala, in Iran. And when dictatorships, whether it is the Chinese or the Cubans do something good, Hi. you acknowledge that. Hi, Mr. But you don't have trade right. love lessons. This is 2020. Mr. Vice President. He just won't stop talking. No, and that's, I I said this a lot to you, so I'll just say it on here. I think that Bernie would be the best against Trump um, on the debate stage. If you looked at the debates with Trump and Hillary, the reason he dominated Hillary was because he wouldn't stop talking and he has a commanding voice. Versus Hillary, she's going to be very polite and she'll stop as soon as someone's talking. That's not how you win a debate against Trump. You, the key is never shut up. And there were several points in the debate where a lot of people would be talking and you kind of, you, I put myself in their shoes, you know, say I'm talking and Sanders is talking and we're both trying to be heard. Okay. Well, the whole point is that one of us will stop talking. Then we can make a point. So you keep on going and you keep on going. Oh, Sanders isn't stopping. So then if I keep on going, I'm going to look very idiotic in a sense, and I will come off as rude. So then I'm going to stop. And then Sanders will continue to make his point, and he will have won that little battle. And that happened several times, especially with Buttigieg. Buttigieg would try to say something about Sanders being more specific about his plans, how much it's going to cost doing the math. And they, they would just be both talking and... Sanders won every single time. Jokingly, I said, maybe we need to be able to turn off the microphones of those who are not supposed to be speaking. You say it as a joke. I wish they really would. I I really do, because I think that's the only way to get this to have a little bit more. um, It could be more constructive this way. Mm 
well, the moderators are trying to gain control and they're asking someone to speak and the others won't stop talking. And at least if you turn their mics off, it wouldn't encourage them. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to be heard and it'd be embarrassing for them if they tried to yell. It's just they have, they basically what happens is the candidate can see how long they're supposed to talk and then they keep on going and they don't care. And so many times, uh, it was pretty funny, Biden, he would just be like, oh, it's my turn to talk. Somebody let me talk. You know, and then he'd get a chance to say something and then he basically said nothing. Um, or he would stop um, and then he'd say, I don't know why I'm stopping. I guess it's just a Catholic schoolboy in me. And it, it, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. I really didn't enjoy him saying that. Um, right. Yeah, I, th- I think he thought it was just going to help him gain a bit more favor with the crowd, which it might have. It really might have. Right. <laughs> I'm going to play another clip. Let me tell Mr. Putin, okay, I'm not a good friend of President Xi of China. I think President Xi is an authoritarian leader. And let me tell Mr. Putin, who interfered in the 2016 election, try to bring Americans against Americans. Hey, Mr. Putin, if I'm president of the United States, trust me, you're not going to interfere in any more American elections. Senator Warren. We know what the president, what Russia... He told him. It's interesting that, well, for one thing, it's not quite as easy to stop it. I, I think he's trying to imply that Trump is either allowing it or encouraging it, and he's trying to make a contrast with that. Yeah, which, yeah, and Trump has made this point. He said, do you really think Putin would want me? He's going to want uh, the guy who honeymooned in Russia. And that's what Bernie did. Bernie has always been very pro-socialism. So why in the world would Putin want Trump? (laughs) You know, we didn't really talk about the clip to back and just his statements about Cuba. And uh, let's see, he he was even talking about how the United States has been responsible for uh, changing regimes, uh, Chile, Guatemala. And... Anyway, it's just interesting uh, to think that, you know, you could focus on positive aspects of dictatorship and people wouldn't notice that. Yeah. You, You know, do you think the people in Miami, the Cuban community in Miami are okay with that? You know, focusing on, uh, his reading programs, Castro's reading programs. I, I think it's, kind of insulting to them because they've suffered so much at the hands of that regime. They had to leave everything behind and have been um, basically abused by the Castros. And then now to, you know, praise that. Yeah. For goodness sake. Um, it, and that's really important Florida because it's usually a swing state, right? And very much. Yeah. So now Bernie, if he wins, it's, it's going to be so obvious for the Cubans that they need to vote for Trump. That's true. I think I noticed uh, that I believe that maybe Bernie's not doing so well in Florida. And actually, I think I was surprised by seeing how well Bloomberg was doing in Florida. That would make more sense. It really would, because mm-hmm. if they're Democrats, mm-hmm. um, but they have the history and they know what they went through with uh, Cuba... I would vote for Bloomberg over Bernie any day. There's a lot of retirees in Florida. 
And I don't think they want, you know, some socialist coming in and taking away their money. Yep, because that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, the, that kind of talk, it doesn't really do well for a lot of people. Mm. It It's really great for the people that are my age that are in debt and are desperate, and they love what he has to say. But it's also, and I, you know, we just haven't been through a lot. We're, we're young people, mm. and we, we don't know the effects of socialism. When you don't have much to lose, socialism sounds pretty good. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so... We uh, now we're going to play just kind of a holistic clip of the whole debate. So you're going to hear a lot of different voices. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump is, should be president of the United States. And that's why Russia is helping you get oh, elected Mr. so you'll Bloomberg. lose to him. agree on a lot of things, but I think I would make a better president than Bernie. You think the last four years has been chaotic, divisive, toxic, exhausting? Imagine spending the better part of 2020 with Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders' analysis is right. The difference is I don't like his solutions. Bernie voted five times against the Brady Bill. I, I'm, I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. <laughs> I wonder why. I have been training for this job since I stepped on the pile that was still smoldering on 9-11. And all of the sideshows that the senator wants to bring up have nothing to do with that. He called me out by name and and referred to what I talk about as a sideshow. You know, this is personal for me. When I was 21 years old, I got my first job as a special education teacher. I loved that job. And by the end of the first year, I was visibly pregnant. The principal wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it, the way that I Mayor Bloomberg never said that. have said okay. to one of oh, his on. pregnant employees. People want a chance that to hear. Senator Warren, that is a very serious charge that you leveled at the mayor. Yes. You told a woman to get an abortion. What evidence do you have of that? Uh, her own words. And Mayor Bloomberg, could you respond to this? I this never is... said it. Period. End of story. Look. Categorically never said it when it was accused, when I was accused of doing it. We couldn't figure out what, what she was talking about. But I, right now, I'm sorry if she heard what she thought she heard or whatever happened. Uh, that was a big one for sure. You know, some it shows that somebody lied about Bloomberg or that Bloomberg is lying himself. Somebody's lying, obviously. You know, I, I can uh, even imagine him saying it in his younger years. and uh, But just to see the dynamic of Elizabeth Warren, you know, she she has these set pieces prepared where she just takes him on and uh, so she has these portions um, you know where she tells her little story about being pregnant and then brings this in and it's all designed to bring him down so she's on assignment and uh, has had some degree of success as I mentioned earlier in cutting his uh, growth as of in the polls so we'll just see how that goes 
Yeah, my goodness. Uh, it's funny, you know who we didn't hear a single clip from? Amy. Yep. She really, I felt, did even worse this debate. She continues to tank. Um, near the end of the, the debate, they had a final question to all the candidates, and it was, what is a, a mis- or misconception a, Yeah, misconception about you? And then what is a kind of quote that you live by? Mm-hmm. So with her, she said, um, everybody thinks she's boring, but that's just not true. And then she began to rattle off this quote about politics, something like this. Politics is about doing good for people so it can change their lives the most boring quote ever known to man. And then she begins to talk about her mother, her father, her sister, her, all these people. And she rattles off and she won't stop. And they were like trying to say, please, short answers, short answers. And then they're like, okay, what is the quote that you said? And she's like, that politics is good. Uh, you know, it does good for people. Like all this stuff. And it was so good. It's like they didn't catch it the first time because it was said in such a boring way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, yeah, as soon as she'd speak, my mind turned right off. You know, her stories. It's the whole relatable story strategy. And I think they feel like they're getting extra credit points or something on a, you know, uh, essay exam by throwing that in. But they just come across as so canned and inauthentic. It It's true. They, they talk about talking to these people. And I'm like, you didn't talk to a single person. Your staff rushed you out and were, they were massaging your feet and cooling your forehead you guys are treated like kings and queens. You don't talk to regular people. If you did, you wouldn't be saying the things that you said. How about Biden's story about being arrested when he was with Nelson Mandela? Oh, my gosh. They looked into it and realized it was false. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, Buttigieg, uh, he, did, he did okay. It, the reality was he was trying to attack Biden. He really hadn't done that as much before. He had attacked more other people. So obviously I'd spoken at length about him attacking Biden being unsuccessful just because you can't compete. Uh, oh, sorry, Bernie. My goodness, all the bees are really mm-hmm. starting to mess me up. I meant Bernie. Mm-hmm. You can't attack Bernie because he never will let you talk. So he he tried that out for the first time, I think, seriously tried it out tonight and it just didn't work at all mm-hmm. i think the one on the stage it's best to kind of go against bernie sanders is bloomberg because uh even whenever the last debate we talked about uh bloomberg was mentioning bernie's three houses nobody had done that yet and then bernie was like okay well i have this one because of this and he would give these really good like remarks just like okay well that's good you know like he just like so good i was like i was just thinking bloomberg if you did this the whole time you'd be first in the polls you really would i know debates don't have the largest effect but if it looks like you can take somebody on people like that and it it's sad because bloomberg could do it but he just won't because he just i don't know he just wants to look like he's peaceful somehow seems like most of his talking is on defense yep exactly not on offense the way he was, he was pandering to Elizabeth Warren, he's like, we've done everything you want us to do. We released three women from their NDAs. Yeah. And we did, like, why are you doing what she wants you to do? Or is she your your boss? She definitely got traction with her comments, but I don't know, to me, it. I, I think there was even some booing that came when she just wouldn't let it go and people could see how disingenuous it was, her attacks on on Bloomberg. Oh, yeah. it. 
She is so unlikable. I, I think, golly, I think I like her the least out of all the candidates. She is so frustrating. And she just won't stop talking. And what was the misconception about her? I don't remember her quote just because she's boring. But um, that she was like, people think I don't eat enough. So like, I eat a lot, okay? I'm like, yeah, that's the number one. Anytime I see her, I just think, does she eat enough? No, I've never thought that. I thought, oh, she's skinny. But I'm not saying, oh, does she eat? I never say that. It, it was kind of obvious that none of them had prepared for that question. Oh, yeah. And that, that really is a gotcha question. Like, I don't even know what I would say, but it's hardest for the person who has to answer it first. She had a little bit of time to think about it. Which was she, Tom Steyer, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think his was something about being a billionaire and that he didn't work hard for his money. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. I wish I could remember all the answers now, but I just don't. Right. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Biden said something about his hair. Oh, yeah, that was, was so bad. It was a misconception that he had more hair or something like that. So. It was funny. I will admit that. But it still was just weird. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and then there was even one point in the debate where Bloomberg, he was basically talking about his support for Democrats. And he said with certain uh, members of the House that he was about to say, I bought them, but he stopped himself. He's like, I, bu I helped them. He, you literally could hear it and you knew what he was going to say. But he, that's the way he thinks. He's like, I bought them. Yeah, he was even referring to 2018 that he bought some of the seats in the House. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what, yeah, that's what I was talking about there. Uh, very entertaining. I, I think there's going to be another debate. We'll be curious to see what happens in South Carolina. Um, there's a lot more to keep on going with this, and so we will give you these updates as we get each debate hopefully you know we may miss one or two or something with trump we're gonna try our best not to miss a trump and versus whoever my guess is bernie um who would be your second guess who would win well the numbers in the polls say biden okay it's interesting i think they had betting odds and you know of course sanders first and then it at one point, it was Bloomberg second, and then Biden, but that is switched now, and Biden is is in second. So again, I think it's the Warren effect, but um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out and brokered convention and um, all that that occurs uh, in July. Yeah, and even if Trump wins, the Democrats are going to claim that he somehow cheated. But that's just what they do. So it doesn't matter. Uh, either way, there's going to be probably another impeachment trial. Who knows? That That's just the way they operate. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully yeah. there'll be good numbers in in both houses, and that'll make it tougher. Yeah, yep. I, I hope so, too. A lot to explore, and it's an amazing world of politics right now. So you just I'm so glad that my interest peaked in politics whenever Trump was around because it just makes it like a reality TV show. It's not really nerdy to know about it as it's just more interesting. Yeah. So thank you, Dad, so much for joining me. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you like it, please do subscribe and give us uh, five stars if you don't mind. Um, please contact the show windbreakerpodcast at gmail.com come on we got to get that i want my first email please um any question anything i really don't mind uh know that someone loves you out there we just don't know who so we're gonna try to find out for you 